Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast for UAE Tour Stage 5. Recap, this is the second of three consecutive sprint stages. We've got another one tomorrow, then Hafeet on Sunday. This is from Al-Akha to Um Al-Qayan. Dylan Kronenwegen won this finish uh, last year, I think, like a northern peninsula where they finish. Uh, last 5Ks is straight. There's a few roundabouts they hit at high speed. Not technical whatsoever. There is wind here. I think there's like jet skiing, kite surfing, etc. in this area. So you can get a bit of wind. Uh, but we were looking for wind when they actually went across from east to west. Uh, as well during this stage, but it didn't really happen, uh, I don't think. But on our detraining discussion yesterday, Benji, is that why Leonard Van Aethvold, GC leader for Lotto, was in the break today? I think partially, as in on one end, you'd think that if you stay in the peloton, you're probably detraining a bit, but I think the main effect is also he can go in the breakaway, fight for these bonus seconds, because there's bonus seconds on route, three seconds per intermediate sprint, and then have still a few days left before he gets to Jabal Hafid. So it's not like he needs to be up and running tomorrow again to do a, a full-on watt per kilo test up a climb, and even then, these efforts will probably not make the, the biggest dent in him, I reckon. So I, I find it a pretty interesting strategy, because like we've seen Von Heck in the breakaway, we've, we've seen Mark Stewart in the breakaway, and those are kind of the breakaway riders I do remember here in this race. And today was Van Hooke again. It was with Mosca, I think, from Trek. And in addition to that, we saw uh, Leonard van Eetveld joining the breakaway. And Leonard being in the breakaway, he got those six seconds. He's now up to, in the top 10, I think, on 37 seconds instead of 43 seconds. I think 8th or ninth in GC now. So not the biggest leap, but it's something, I guess. It might matter in the end of the race. It might not. We'll see. But I uh, found it quite interesting. But outside of that, I don't remember anything happening in the first, like, 90% of this race outside of that. Keplinger abandoned before the stage, didn't start the stage, because he fractured his left hand in the crash yesterday. That's the one where uh, Bora were caught up with about 2.8 kilometers to go. So that's a shame. He was 11th in GC, and assuming Björg drops on her feet, he was looking very, very good for a top uh, 10 GC finish. Uh, Benji, you're going to have to carry it. Someone's delivering stuff for me. But, yeah, you talk about uh, there was some crosswind nervousness. <laughs> Yeah, there was some nervousness when it comes to the crosswinds. We said yesterday the parkour kind of goes from the, the right side of the country to the left side through like an open area. But the wind itself, I felt like wasn't strong enough to make the actual real differences. So you saw these teams getting a bit stressed for an upcoming corner that would go into a certain direction. And then there was no real follow-up of that. I think there was a crash somewhere early in the stage where the Kent crashed, but he had some damage on the right side of his hip, but not necessarily major. But yeah. I don't think any major effects towards the, uh, towards the race happened here. And we're heading towards a final sprint. And when it comes to the previous sprints, let's be honest, Merlier was relatively cleaning them. So I was expecting Merlier to clean him. And Bora had last time bad luck in the sprint. So I was curious what Bora was going to do with an actual lead out this time. 
And looking at those setups, I feel like, is it, in the last five kilometers, you see all these teams coming to the front, you see some riders having one pilot to try and get their rider at the front of the peloton, and then you see teams on the second row that kind of wait until later, but why, with for example 2k to go, do you see two Movistar riders hitting the front, hammering it for example, while Gavidia with his lead out is in P30? I don't really understand that either. And um, Maori's kind of been doing that. I've been looking at Maori the last couple of sprint stages, and he just as well. He just he goes on the front, and the, like the quick step guys are nowhere near him. And it's like yeah. the race is we're not chasing a breakaway. The race is going to get to the finish. So, um, and then he's looking around, looking around, looking around, looking around. Like where's my? It's like just either just ride there or pull off or what or whatever. Um, side note, uh, that was nothing for me. Don't you, do people ever do that to you, Benji, where they ring your building to get in? Because just because I'm on the ground floor and they're like, we'll just ring the, press the first button because he's delivering a package somewhere and they're not in and he wants to leave it at the door. I have that thing too, because I'm part of this like one old Victorian building that got like reworked and it's now like two apartments and a third one that's like, so the third one is like one number and the other two are like the number with like a letter behind it, for example. So it's, it's super difficult to work with because they all knock on our door to then drop off the package. And I'm like, it's not here. It's not here. It's not here. Next to that, our door's broken right now. So anyone can walk in. <laughs> our bell doesn't work. So if you knock the door, it opens. So we're in trouble right now. <laughs> well, at least your cats can't bark. So like Toby, it, the problem is, I don't really care, but the problem is it makes Toby go crazy barks, which is fair enough. And then because they don't come in, it puts him even more on edge because he just thinks yeah. he now thinks there's someone still coming indefinitely because they haven't actually come to the door. So he just barks. Um, anyway, uh, what are the chances? I guess it's snowing outside, so maybe he's just cold, the guy. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the sprint leadouts. What I saw from Bora was what they did in 22, 23 mm -hmm. was late move up with Archbold, Mullen, Van Poppel, super powerful with about 1,500 yeah. meters, 1,800 meters, one mile to go for you Americans. And now they've got Gamper and Masiuk. It seems they're trying to hold position in that 5Ks to 2.5Ks to go at the front of the peloton more, but it's just not working to me. It seems yeah. like those guys can't hold the position or no one can actually hold that position, whereas like quick steps seem to be just... Bird just does nothing. They sit P20, and when a space opens up, Bird will come forward late. So, yes, but it's curious to me what Bora are doing. In the first two sprint stages, Bert von Lederbecher coming forward for Melier worked. I feel like today that didn't work. And that's maybe going a bit further into the sprint already, but going into the last kilometer, Melier is just not in the picture when the helicopter shot is at the front of the peloton. So I'm like, where is Melier? For some reason, I was looking for a points jersey. Does that. Is that not weird that I was looking for a points jersey in my head? Because you'd Stewart. expect, what? yeah, you'd expect him to wear the points jersey, yeah. no? <laughs> I was really confused. <laughs> and then Merlier basically is in like 30th, 20th position in between there. And then eventually moves up a little bit. But this time there was no space on the road to kind of move on the right or on the left. So... You're, you're staying stuck behind people, and that's when you start your sprint in 
P14 in this case when it comes to Marlier. But before we get to the actual outcome of the sprint, what did you see from Vismoth, for example? They're just trying to pot, they don't have, like Tim Van Dyke did a really, really good job in this sprint, yep. but they don't have the lead out to really bring Koi up and over the top of uh, Alperson de Koenig. Alperson de Koenig seem to have the best lead out here, I would say, from two Ks to go. They're probably missing, they are missing a final man, but also like Grove's got left on the front stalled the last two sprints. He also doesn't have the kick of the other guys, but yeah, they're just trying to pilot him. Kind of like what Bert van Leyberg is doing. Uh, they're trying to basically let others go into the headwind earlier, take the race up, and then look for opportunities off that, uh, having been kept as much as possible out of the wind. And yeah, it was, it was another messy sprint, to be honest. It was yep. like Cav got a decent lead out uh, from, what's number 25, Siritz, uh, from, Merc from Merku, in fact. Um, Merku was the last man here for Cav. Got a decent lead out. Uh, Groves as well. He, I think left a little bit too early in the wind. Ackerman is who uh, Israel Premiertech were going for today, which is a little yep. bit confusing to me. Uh, I know he gets paid a lot more than Kogut, but Kogut looks better than him right now. Yep, and he's Israeli. Uh, so I would I would go for the young sprinter. But um, anyway. Uh, it's just kind of messy. And then you look at, I'm just looking at the overhead here. Koi gets lucky because in the previous two sprints, there's this open side and that's where Wellsford is. That's where Merlier is. They're at the, the Peloton's on the right, or the sprints are on the right side of the road, flush with the barrier. And there's a open side to the left and the winners and top podium finishers have come from the open side where there's space to jump, where Wellsford goes and Merlier takes his back. But luckily for Coy, Cavendish opens up the door because Cavendish, for whatever reason, sprints towards Groves. I uh, don't really know why. Uh, and, and that opens up the gate for Coy, and he slips through on that right side. Yeah. So the key for me here and why he won this stage is I think there was a left-to-right crosswind as well from their shoulder. And as Wellsford comes up, as Merlier comes up, there's a 50-meter period where, or 25-meter period where Coy's just a little bit more protected from his left shoulder from Cavendish and Groves, and Merlier's not. And uh, it's a close-run thing. Merlier, Wellsford, Coy go to the line. Coy times the bike throw better than Merlier, but we didn't know. When you saw it front on, what did your eye test say? I had no clue who won. I, my eye test is worse than yours. We know that already. But if we then take a look at the actual, like, finish the last few hundred meters then like when he crosses the line i'm like i don't fucking know who won <laughs> and the fact that they then go to the side angle like not the photo finish but the side angle at the finish line and Koi's like too close to the camera to know where he is at <laughs> the steer on that shot looked like Koi had won melier's reaction post the finish line i wasn't sure because he was kind of talking into his microphone usually that's all Thank you guys. Good job. Whatever. Maybe he's saying good job anyway for for helping him get to the position he is. But I couldn't tell who won. He also had like um, a little bit of a bump on his back wheel after the finish line. It was the 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 quick step pattern of uh, not knowing whether they actually had a puncture or not. This yeah. is the quickest the, one ever. 
This is the quickest excuse. He was literally, he, he, as he crossed the line to Koi, he pointed at his back wheel. I was like, how have you come up at 70 kph with that much speed with a, with a flat rear? It was quicker than the Kopecky one last year against Lippert. If he had a flat tire, it can't have been a full flat tire because otherwise he can't be sprinting at that speed, <laughs> I reckon. So it had to be a slightly deflating one if that's the case, which it could be true. I don't know. But yeah, Corey was just in a better position at when the sprint started, Melier wasn't, and Melier lost his one-on positioning. Yeah, and maybe if, if Koi gets boxed in by Cavendish, Melier yeah. wins this. So it's, it's all very fine margins. Uh, I would say the photo finish, I mean, good luck to you. Uh, I would rather just go on the eye test, frankly, because the photo finish left me more confused. I don't even know if that is a photo finish. Very strange photo. Um, Visma Lisa bike benefiting from another dubious photo finish. Once again, they can't keep getting away with it. Uh, but yeah, Koi gets given the victory and he did look like he timed his throw better, at least from the front-on image. The side-on shot, not the photo, but the side-on camera. I don't know if they're using a, a lens for close-up product photography, like they're trying to look at the bezels on an iPhone, but like yeah. the side-on camera angle was the narrowest lens. You couldn't even see Koi. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, can we get this a bit wider, please? Or move back? We get the side on show, you can't see anything. Uh, but yeah, he takes the dub. Uh, let me look at the other results. Merlier second. Wellsford was good. He, he got left in the wind too early. He must have been strong to, uh, to finish where he did. Uh, Wellsford must have done a good sprint. Consoni, another fourth or, or top five placing. Fretin, uh, Fretin, sorry, fifth. Then Bauhaus. <laughs> get out of here. Coffin is just like yesterday was Anjul Kofsky, now it's uh, Fratin. Bauhaus, another top 10. Groenewegen got left uh, very, very deep by Mezgetz, and you can't win from there. But he sprinted well. Tim van Dyke, 8th. Groves, 9th. Jakobsen, 10th. Out of the top 10, uh, Bennett and. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Who else the other sprinters are here? Cavendish. Cavendish. Cav didn't. Yeah. I remember Cav in 21 or 22 here beat yeah. Philipson. So. Stop sprinting it, here when he sees he loses. And I don't get that because the team needs the UCI point. They just. Obviously, Cavendish doesn't need to win, but the team needs the top 10s, I reckon. Yeah. Um, but. I was. Yeah. Uh, maybe ran out of steam. I don't know. Uh. Bennett, no good. Anything else from this sprint, really? I just Not think really, that the be best three sprinters here are Wellsford, Merlier, Koi. Yep. And right. Wellsford we, we could joking, win one. We can jokingly say that the Tiger of Wurstenbos uh, boss, uh, oh, yeah, the the is, a, is the GOAT, but in reality, he's, he's super consistent. But I don't see it right now to have him win a stage, you know? I hope yeah. he does, but he's kind of like Bauhaus at the Tour. Always consistent, but 
I never saw the chance of him winning. That makes sense? Yeah, he just if he jumps, then someone else is going to be jumping from his wheel that's probably quicker than him. Uh, he's very consistent. Maybe in, he sort of won the last stage in Toronto. Uh, he's a good sprinter, Bauhaus. But yeah, he uh, he just don't have the kick of Merlier or Wellsford. Uh, I, that's for sure. Um, in terms of GC, Van Edvelt moves up from 13th to 9th based on the abandon of Keplinger and Björg. Uh, and taking those bonus seconds, so I'm not sure if he'll do it tomorrow, but then that puts him in a good position to maybe take a top five uh, in this race if he has a really good performance on her feet. Uh, he's now knocking on the door behind Carr, Van Edelt, Foss, uh, sorry, Carr, Foss, and Poole. Tomorrow's stage. From the Louvre Abu Dhabi Museum to Abu Dhabi Breakwater, pancake flat stage. We don't expect crosswinds. This is a city criteria, not a criteria, I'm sorry. This is a city. It is actually, it's very quite a technical circuit. So this one's more technical. Uh, and you, there won't be crosswinds affecting much. Uh, there won't be echelons yeah. or anything like that. So who have you got? Oh, good question. It's like, if Melier's out of position, his chances are limited. If he's in position, 99% wins. So, uh, I want to say, uh, let's give it to the other one that hasn't won in the top three yet. Wellsford. Because his sprint was okay today. Breakwater, is that the one that I meant a few days ago where... Where the Bora lead out really came true. I don't remember which one it was, but I think there was a sprint with like a slight bend always in in this race. And I think it might be this one instead. Where I don't know. Fuck it. I'm I'm this I'm saying yeah, well, this is the one where my lead is gonna win. This one has the right the, the gently bending right hander. And if you take the apex like Alberson did in the tour opening sprint last year, you, you can really slingshot and launch your sprinter well. Do you reckon that uh, Van Eersveld should be in the break again? Six bonus seconds? Why not? If they let him, yeah. And then you can just drop back. Like, yeah. Realistically, he can recover from doing zone three intervals per yeah. feet. Like, it shouldn't be a problem. If they let him, they shouldn't let him, though, because it takes another six seconds, then he's really like, if he just stays with Bill Bow on her feet and outsprints him, he can, and if McNulty cracks, then he's really looking at a podium on GC. You want to hear a fun story, completely unrelated to the OAE tour? Currently, Gran Camino is being ridden, and we're like 10 kilometers, 20 kilometers into the stage. There's like a slight hill at the start, and there's an eight-man breakaway with Vingago, Romo, Bernal, Rafferty, and four other riders. <laughs> Man, what I would pay, what I would pay to see the, to have that footage. <laughs> like, yeah. Bernal Vingegaard opening 2.1 race in the snow or whatever, bang, on this hilly stage. Carnage. Um, anyway, we'll see it later. But uh, I'll pick tomorrow. I'll go with Wellsford. I think Wellsford and Bora get it done tomorrow. He looked good today. And okay. on Gran Camino, it started yesterday. They had the TT. This is a pattern that needs to be stopped. Yeah. It started last year, and it is ridiculous. Where a stage proceeds but is amended, so GC doesn't count. It, if you work through it rationally, it makes no sense in terms of treating all riders equally. So yesterday, there were supposed to be very windy conditions, but the forecast was that it would die down significantly in the afternoon. It did die down in the afternoon. But the decision was made for safety that the TT would proceed 
uh, on in Acarunia, in in Galicia, on road bikes. Totally fine with that. Fair. That was the right decision. No disc wheels, road bikes. Uh, totally fair decision in the prospect of possible high winds. No problem with it. But they proceed with the stage regardless. But then apparently, according to Spanish press this morning or yesterday, the big teams put pressure on the organizers that the GC from the time trial wouldn't count. And this happened in the Vuelta last year on the uh, Monduic stage in Barcelona, where Andreas Krohn won, where it was deemed. Now, there's there's a stronger argument because when you remove GC from it on a wet finish downhill, then you're going to have less riders in the group, so it's theoretically safer. Okay. Maybe. Still don't agree with it, but okay. I'll, fine. It's his, it's a TT. So they're on their own, on a road bike. And then they did the same with the Camner Stage 9 when he dropped Sobrero, where the stage hunters had to fight it out for the stage. And then there was a bit of mud for 50 meters and there was no GC. It's like, if it's safe enough to be raced by some riders then I don't know why the GC riders should be wrapped in cotton wool. I fully agree. I think my take on it is relatively similar, as in on hill stage, on time trials, if it's safe enough to be raised by stage favorites, whatever, then it's safe enough to be raised by GC riders. The one exception for me is like a a Champs-Élysées stage, for example, a sprint stage where it's clear that it's going to be a sprint stage, something like that. It's unlikely that, very unlikely that it's going to be any GC stage change on a stage like that. If it's like really dangerous to reduce the the impacts of the group, the the size of the group in a stage like that, I don't really care if they change that. They've done it a few times on those kind of stages, but if it's on these kind of stages that change the entire way it's the a GC tour works, stage, it's a TT. Exactly, it changed the entire. Way the way the stage race works because now it's a, a climbers race. While in the past it was a climbers and TT race because TT would have mattered. Sosa would have would have lost three minutes thirty five to to whoever was in the lead when he crossed the finish yesterday. So now he's going to be at zero minutes and zero seconds once the mountain stars or the hill start. And let's be honest, Vingo is likely going to win this race. But regardless of that, I I don't like it. Well, it's because. Why do, like, stage, we should start hashtag stage hunters' lives matter? Because you're basically saying, okay, you rise with these incentives, yeah. i.e. winning a stage, or you're a Movistar rider on a home race, like Will Barter, you have to go full, because you might, this one win could mean you get a next contract, and yep. it, this race matters to you, a 2.1. And so you're saying, well, it's, you guys have to race, but yeah, the GC guys, they don't have to. It's like, if it, and if it's not safe enough to be raced, if it's a genuine safety issue, again, I have no problem to cancel the stage. That's fine. And I'm against the argument of, and for example, if the time trial is at the start of a stage race, the order of the riders is in the hands of the teams. So you can't really use the argument of like, oh, it's, uh, it's going to be a disadvantage to some people on the road because it's a team strategy to put your riders in the right order according to the weather predictions. And it can obviously change accordingly, but that's part of the game. That's part of preparing these time trials in the first place. We saw it with UAE in the, in the UAE tour already a few time tra- well, a few stages ago in the time trial where McNulty and so forth, they decided to go in a certain 
portion of the time trial because they thought the weather was beneficial in that area. Yeah, managing variable weather conditions, that is part of it. That is part of the game. And if you've got multiple GC riders and you kind of give them a good slot, that's part of it too. That's the difficulty of managing multiple GC riders. And listen, Gran Camino, it's not the Tour de France, is it? And that's the problem here is that the organizers, they got Visma with Vingegaard, Tour de France champion. They got Ineos with Bernal, Tour de France champion, and Rodriguez, Tour de France stage winner last year, Spanish rider. Yeah. Big, these are big riders. Carapaz here. If the, these teams come to the organizers and say, we want this to happen, they are very motivated to accommodate them because yep. it's a 2.1 new stage race with this ridiculous start list and they want them back next year. So that's the problem. Uh, and yeah, I, I think it's, it just makes no sense. Like if it's unsafe, it's unsafe. If it's safe to race, then GC should count, especially in a TT. I don't know why. Uh, Will Barter has to risk life and limb if he is indeed risking that and yeah. bigger riders don't. So I think it's unfair. Uh, but yeah, that's, that was my rant on stage one Camino. I'm not criticizing the organizers. It sounds like they did the best they could uh, yesterday. And uh, we'll, we'll watch closely when coverage starts on stage two uh, today, Benji. Maybe Ineos and Bernal do put Vingegaard under pressure. Any well, other news before the break anymore? Just want to update. They're not in the break anymore. So oh, boring. Big side. <laughs> but any other news? We heard about the Paterberg having issues. <laughs> oh, Have you yeah. mentioned that yesterday? As in the run-in from the Outer Quartermont to the Paterberg, a bit of a descendy, uh, descendy road towards it, a little narrow as well. One of the sides next to the road has basically slid away. So a bit of a, what do you call that in English? An arpiskaving in Dutch. Landslide. A landslide. Um, so I a can't bit wait of to that. crash on that. When I'm there in a month. <laughs> I'm going to ride slowly and that is nothing. <laughs> we'll neutralize GC there, Benji, for, for me and you. And then Luke, but Luke has to go for the, the yeah, stage. He win. needs to go for the stage. Producers' win. lives matter. <laughs> so, yeah, um, whether that's going to influence E3 and RVV, I've got no clue. I don't know anything about landslides. Uh, otherwise, the weather looks pretty grim tomorrow for Omlope. Good for our spectators. Unfortunately, coverage really only starts just on the first Holovec from memory. Yeah. So if there's crosswind action, which there has been, and the, the wind and weather looks pretty ripe tomorrow in Omlope, yeah. I don't think we'll see that. Uh, I, I know it's late, but Mr. Van den Spiegel, locally record it all. Try, locally yeah. record it. Get one mo just one moto, locally record it. Just that section, that two hours. And then... Live stream it by phone. I just want to see what happened eventually, you know, <laughs> and, and just you can put it up later. This, I hate it when there's crosswind splits and a, and a selection and you, you don't see whatever happened. Uh, and there's chances, you, eh, for something to happen before broadcast this Saturday, so yeah, the weather's looking uh, uh, top for it. Otherwise, I'm just reading on Vila Flitz, figuring out, learning what Visma are going to do tomorrow. Um, and then I still, I still think Arno Deli not doing Kerner is a big ploy. I think it's Benji trying to pull the wool over my eyes. I just... What, sorry? Arno Deli not doing Kerner. Do, do you think he's going to do it? I think you're tricking me. Yeah, I think this is a whole <laughs> mind game. <laughs> I think this is a big psyop. I guess we'll see, eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ah, ah, come on. Shows up at the start line. <laughs> we will. 
<laughs> Why do you uh, think we want substitutions in cycling? Show, show up the last three kilometers. Should you be able to substitute riders after the hill section in Kerner into Group One? <laughs> you substituted Tim Merlier. <laughs> you say, say, ah, sorry, sorry, Tim Wellens, but Tim Merlier's in your group now. Good luck. <laughs> Imagine. Imagine. <laughs> All right. On that note. Uh, we'll leave you uh, and we'll be back with the uh, we're not going to do the recap of UAE straight after tomorrow so we'll, we'll just recap the results quickly but Omlope will be our main podcast tomorrow afternoon as you can understand so uh, we'll see you uh, for the classics tomorrow until then ciao Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 